Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And I'm going to be jabbing you with a lot of UFC today as UFC 296, the final pay-per-view, the final UFC event of 2023, goes down this upcoming Saturday, December 16th. I've been waiting a long time for this event. All right, my boy Colby Covington is fighting. All right, we also have a flyweight championship bout, Patty Pimblet's on this card. Shafkar Rachmanov is on this card. You get Tony Ferguson. You get so many fighters on this card. We're going to be breaking down all the fights. There have been some cancellations. We're going to talk about that. Some changes to the card. Cannot wait to go over all of that to round out this episode. Currently sick. Um, it really sucks because Monday, when I last spoke to you, episode 48, I was doing pretty good. I was all motivated, ready to get the week going, and that's how Tuesday went. Tuesday, got lunch with my buddies, hit legs at the gym, was feeling good. I was at the library grinding out some projects I've been working on, and Wednesday hits, I feel like crap. I literally feel like crap. I can't even go out. I'm just moping around the house, watching videos, watching sh- TV shows. And the same thing today for Thursday. I just, I haven't been sleeping. You know, I just feel sick. You know, if you can kind of tell from maybe the, uh, was it the tone or just like the sound of my voice, I'm mucusy. I've been coughing and stuff. It's been, it's been very upsetting because I really want to just make this winter break super productive and losing two days kind of, you know, honestly, it really sucks. So by the time you listen to this, it'll be Friday, December 15th because I am going to get this uploaded by Friday. Friday, but I mean, you know, being sick, it sucks. We've all been there, and it was actually a month ago that I was sick trying to record uh, for UFC 295, so maybe it's something around these UFC pay-per-views that kind of gets me all feeling sick, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, I feel better tomorrow, but as for this episode, episode 49, of course, reviewing UFC 296, going over um, week 15 of the NFL, dropping all my predictions, checking in with the leagues, going over some new UFC fights, some new movie trailers, some new shows I've watched. We got all sorts of fun stuff for you today, and I'm hoping this isn't too long of an episode just for the sake of my throat because of it's it just it's raw. It's raw from the coffee and the hawk ring, but um, no, let's not waste any time then. Let's get right into everything. Thing. And we're actually going to start this episode out by checking out the updated UFC rankings following UFC Vegas 83. We're going to see what um what changes were made to the UFC rankings. So starting off at flyweight, uh, Tagirul and Bekoff moves up one spot from 13 to 12 as Sumadarji drops two spots down to 13 after his round one submission loss to Tim Elliott. I completely agree with this move. I think it's the right move and by the way, number 15 ranked Cody Durden and number 12 Tagirul and Bekoff actually fighting this upcoming weekend. Going to be dropping my prediction for that fight. Sumadarji, he's ranked 13th. I said it on the last episode. I think he should fight Tatsuro Taira. Do it somewhere in Asia next year. I know we'll be going back to maybe Singapore, hopefully Japan, hopefully China. We'll see what happens. Um, also changing at flyweight. Number 9 ranked Matt Schnell and number 8 ranked Mohamed Mokayev swapped spots. Um, Mohamed was 9 and Matt Schnell was 8. Um, I don't know why. Really no recollection as to why, but I do know that number 8 ranked Mohamed Mokayev has a fight booked with number 7 ranked Alex Perez March 2nd, so maybe that could be the reason why. Don't really know, but um, just interesting to see. Interesting to see. At men's bantamweight, Ricky Simone drops down one spot to 13. 
15th. No idea why Ricky Simone last fought Song Ye Dong earlier this year in it was either May or April. He got knocked out in round number five. So far has not had another fight booked. Hopefully we can see him back in action soon, probably against an unranked bantamweight talent. Maybe someone like Said Nurmagomedov could be an option. At men's featherweight, Alex Caceres passes Leroy Murphy from 15th to 14th. Um, neither man have fought in recently. Uh, I know number 15, Leroy Murphy, will be taking on uh, Dan Ige next year in 2023. But as for Alex Caceres, no fight news yet. Last loss to Giga Chikadze in August. Will be interesting to see what the UFC elects to do with him. At men's lightweight, Matus Gamrat drops down one spot from fifth to six. I believe he was actually tied with Michael Chandler for fifth, but now he's ranked number six. Does have a fight coming up with number 11 ranked Rafael Dos Anjos next year. Is he either at UFC 299? I think it is. That's going to be in one of our new fights we talk about. But um, yeah, interesting to see that there, being that no one has fought and no one around him has fought. In. I sometimes just question why they change things. Some big changes at light heavyweight, though. Joining Walker now up to six and Nikita Kreloff up to seven as Khalil Roundtree Jr. jumps three spots, moving from 10, actually 11, moving from 11 to eighth following his win over Anthony Smith this past weekend. Anthony Smith drops down to number 10 and Ryan Spann gets booted down one spot to 11. I love this play. Khalil Roundtree Jr. continuing to work up the rankings. And personally, I could see a fight with... Ooh, maybe Nikita Kreloff ranked one spot above him, but I'm really looking at Alexander Rakic. Just lost the Han Blahovich fight. Will be a perfect opportunity for Rakic to come back and for Roundtree to continue his ascent up the men's light heavyweight division. As for Anthony Smith, maybe Asmat Mirzakhanov could be the answer for you, as we mentioned last time. No changes at men's heavyweight or in any women's divisions as the UFC rankings will be updated next Tuesday for the final time of the year. How about that? So maybe I'll push off an episode until Tuesday so I can actually see what uh, what changes were made. As for new UFC fights that have been announced, we've had a couple big ones. I picked out five big ones that have been announced in the past few days. One of them is Amanda Limos versus Tatiana Suarez. Amanda Limos currently ranked number four at women's strawweight. Tatiana Suarez ranked number three. Amanda Limos is coming off of her unfortunate loss to Zhang Wei Li at UFC 292. Came up short in her women's strawweight championship bout. Lost all five rounds. It was absolutely a dominant performance for Zhang Weili, but Amanda Limos, she'll be back at UFC 298 going down in February in Anaheim, California. 13-3 and three professionally, eight of those wins by knockout, three by submission. She likes to get these fights done quickly. Eight of her 13 victories done in the first round. Happy to see her getting back to it, but it's no easy task for her as number three Tatiana Suarez, 11-0. and oh, I believe she's 6-0 and oh or 5-0, something like 7-0 even in the UFC. It's been an absolutely crazy run for her. She's gotten finishes her last two fights. It's been absolutely incredible. And 8 of her 11 fights are actually by a finish. So, Tatiana Suarez, excellent grappler. Excellent grappler. Her grappling has got her pretty far, and she's one more fight away from a title shot. If Amanda Lemos wins, I don't feel she gets a title shot. I'd maybe like to see her fight. Gosh, I have no idea. Maybe the winner of... I have no idea what to do with her. There's no real fights at one straw at the moment, but it's good to see this one getting some traction.
Headed to the heavyweights, another fight announced for UFC 298 in February as number 10-ranked Marcin Tibera will take on number 9-ranked Ty Tuivasa. Marcin Tibera unfortunately lost last time out to Tom Aspinall, got knocked out in round one this summer in just over a minute. But after that Sergey Pavlovich Tom Aspinall fight, it's aged pretty well knowing how good Tom Aspinall is. Marcin Tibera, 24 and 8, 9 wins by knockout, 6 by submission, and of his 24 victories, 10 in the first round. He's been a UFC, the UFC veteran for some time now. I believe he's been in here almost 10 years in the UFC. And the UFC clearly knows what they're doing as they're giving Ty Tuivasa one more shot. I mean, Ty Tuivasa has just been brutally finished. In the first round, what has it been now? Three straight times, you know. He, of course, knocked out uh, Augusto Sakai, knocked out Derek Lewis, propelling him to a main event status against Cyril Ghosn in 2022, where he would, um, I wouldn't say get totally dominated. It wasn't until round three that Cyril Ghosn really pulled away, but did get knocked out in that one. Then to round out 2022, got knocked out by uh, Sergey Pavlovich in under a minute, and in his lone fight of 2023, got submitted in round two by Alexander Volkov. But Ty will be back, 15 victories for his professional career, 14 of those by knockout, 12 of those in the first round. Bam Bam, Ty Tuivasa will be back in February. Three fights announced for UFC 299 in March, headlined by Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera for the Men's Bantamweight Championship as we get another heavyweight matchup between number 5-ranked Curtis Blades and number 7-ranked Halton Almeida. This fight, of course, was supposed to go down November 4th at UFC Sal Powell earlier this year. Or I guess not just earlier, about a month or a month and a week ago. But um, yeah, happy to see this fight get rebooked. Curtis Blades, um, I believe he is is on a... Oh, he lost to Pavlovich. So he's only coming off of one loss, actually, to Sergey Pavlovich. Got knocked out in round one in April, yet to fight the rest of the year. Happy to see him at least getting another opportunity. 17-4 and four record. And I mean, Curtis Blades is the definition of has been one fight away from a title shot probably three or four times and has failed to failed to um, get a title shot officially in the UFC. 12 of his 17 wins by knockout. This is a heavyweight grappler who also has some hands, but he takes on the dominant Halton Almeida. And his last performance out against Derek Lewis, it was dominant, but it was easily the worst main event of the year. It was so boring, just a grapple fest. And it kind of sucks because here's a guy who previously had a 100% finish rate and couldn't finish Derek Lewis with grappling. Derek Lewis's biggest, biggest challenge is the grappling, and he could just not, he could he could not get around it. Um, of his 20 victories, 7 by knockout, 12 by submission, 14 of those in the first round. Halton Almeida, Halton Maldino Almeida is a dominant force. I'll be happy to watch that one at UFC 299. I don't know where 299 is going to be at. Is that the Miami one? Actually, I think that's what it is. Uh, January at 297, we're going to Toronto. 298 is Anaheim, and 299 is, I just said it, Miami. Yes. Hopefully we can get some Miami fighters on that card. And UFC 300 still looming in the distance. Um, I'm going to talk about the other two 299 fights, and then I'm going to mention what Dana White said about two uh, about UFC 300. Uh, as I mentioned a bit ago, Matus Gamrot taking on Rafael Dos Anjos. Matus Gamrot ranked number six at men's lightweight. Rafael Dos Anjos ranked at 11th. Matus Gamrot coming off a big win over Rafael Faziv. On course, unfortunately, that was due to injury. But nonetheless, he's had a quite the interesting run in the UFC. He debuts 
He debuts and loses to uh, Guram Kudaladze by split decision. Even Guram admitted Matu should have won. He follows that up with a round two knockout of Scott Holtzman, round one submission of Jeremy Stevens, round two knockout of Diego Ferreira, before taking on Armin Tazukrian and winning a close, close main event. That was in 2022. He would, of course, lose a close decision to Manil Dariush. But so far this year, 2-0, beat Jalen Turner by split decision. That a- that win has aged well. And, of course, the Hafel Fazif fight. I'll be happy to see Matus Gamer Gamrot get back at it. This guy is clearly talented, could fight for the belt. Um, 23 victories overall, eight of those by knockout, five by sub. Only three first-round finishes, though. Matus likes to take his time with his opponents. And, of course, we don't have to... We, do we even have to mention Rafael Dos Anjos? Just the UFC legend, former men's lightweight champion. Pretty interesting enough, of his 32 professional victories, only half by finish, five wins by knockout, 11 by sub. A decision machine is Rafael Dos Anjos. He has been at welterweight for his last, uh, what was it, two fights? Two fights, I believe. Win over Brian, Brian Barberina, lost to Vicente Luque. And before that, he had lost to Rafael Vaziv, uh, beaten Hinata Moicano. I mean, he's had an interesting run so far, but uh, glad to see Rafael Dos Anjos staying at lightweight. And the winner of this will be ranked just about in the top five at men's lightweight. Final fight announced a banger at women's flyweight. Uh, another fight for UFC 299, by the way. They're just giving us all the UFC 299 and 298 fights right now. As number 13th ranked Kareen Silva takes on number 6 ranked Lauren Murphy, giving Kareen Silva a massive, massive shot here against Lauren Murphy. Kareen Silva, 17 and 4. The young gun has eight, oh, is on an eight-fight winning streak. Nine wins by knockout, eight by submission. That means a 100% finish rate for Kareen Killer Silva. I've loved every single fight I've seen of her so far in the UFC. She's only had three, all in round one by submission. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. And two of those, um, her last time out, got a submission with a second left in round one. Her UFC debut in June of 2022, she got a submission with five seconds left in round number one. Kareen Silva hates hates having fights go the go the distance because she's yet to go the distance. Lauren Murphy, of course, Lauren Lecky Murphy, approaching 40, UFC veteran, been in the game a while, fought once this year, that was back in January, got brutally beat up by Jessica Andrade. Eight of her 16 victories by knockout, does have one by submission, only two first-round finishes in her career. Look, Lauren's on her way out, Kareen's on her way up, this should be a fun one. I Honestly, it could end up on the prelims, though, the way they're trying to load up all these cards in 2024. And as I was going to mention about what Dana White said, he said for UFC 300, you're going to see the first prelim and say, holy S-word, how are these two start kicking off the prelims? That's how stacked the card is going to be. Dana White, ultimate promoter. I don't know if any of that's going to be true. I hope it's true. I really hope it's that loaded as he claims the card's going to be. But we'll have to see. If I can predict, obviously they're going to have Jim Miller. On the card, he said Jim Miller will be on there unless there's some issue where he deals a lot of damage. Because I believe Jim Miller fights on the first or second card of 2024, which will give him just about a four-month turnaround. No news yet on UFC 300 on where it's going to be at. I can only assume Las Vegas. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Las Vegas, the epicenter of fights. Unless they try and go to New York or something, we'll see. But uh, this should be should be a good card. I don't know if McGregor's headlining. I don't know what title fight's going to headline. We'll continue to speculate the closer we get. 
In movie news, Kung Fu Panda 4 dropped its first official trailer. Big Kung Fu Panda fan here. I mean, I think the first and second movies are amazing. Third is not bad. Definitely more childish in its themes, I feel. Still some good moments. But this fourth one, it's giving me Cars 3 vibes, guys. It looks like they're weaning the veteran out, weaning Lightning McQueen out for Cruz Ramirez. They're weaning Poe out for this new fox they're bringing in and honestly the the villain really reminds me of the last one where it like takes the powers takes the abilities of other villains from the kung fu universe and like uses them so i don't really know what to make of it there's also there's also no furious five so it's it's i don't know it looks like it's gonna be decent I don't know if I'm going to watch in theaters. I Someone commented under it. Looks like Netflix made this. And that was per, pretty much a good description of it. Uh, I do hope it's good. But, you know, that you can only make so many sequels of movies before they start to get a bit... Um, what's, the, what's the word? Before they get a bit repetitive. Get a bit repetitive. And there's just no more interest in the franchise. So hopefully they end it after Kung Fu 4. But hope, hopefully they give us some nostalgic moments. And they don't just go, oh, Poe is all washed up now. He's going to be give up being the Dragon Warrior to this new uh, little female fox. You know, that's that's what happened in Cars 3. I have issues with Cars 3. <laughs> We're ever going to rank and talk about past movies. Speaking of past movies that I have watched, wow, that was a high pitch. Um, I watched Godzilla again, the one made in 2014. I freaking love that movie. I love the Monsterverse. Of course, the Monsterverse is Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Godzilla vs. Kong, and soon to come, Godzilla Times Kong, the new empire. That movie looks amazing coming out in 2024. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think my favorite part about the Godzilla film from 2014 is just they make it so eerie and ominous they make whenever Godzilla's on screen you just know stuff's about to go down there is a lot of human element to it and I do find it kind of crazy that Brian Cranston was in like the first 30 to 45 minutes of the movie and then just died all right but Aaron Taylor Johnson is the good lead human in it they have just amazing world building the suspension of just everything that's going down the CGI is super impressive I won't lie. Like, this is one of those movies where CGI, like, it makes everything look real. Nothing looks animated or anything. Just a very good movie. I've watched it so many times. And honestly, I'm probably going to watch the next three films in the uh, in the series over the next few days as I ch- continue to recover from my illness. It gives me time to just catch up on some movies. But um, the whole reason that I started watching Godzilla again, or why I watched it again today, is because Apple TV, of course we mentioned Apple Plus, or however you want to view it, the streaming service, dropped Monarch Legacy of Monsters, starring Kurt Russell and his son Wyatt Russell as the leads in the film. They also got some other uh, actors and actresses that are pretty pretty notable. Uh, or just that I recognize. I shouldn't say notable that I recognize. But it basically follows Wyatt Russell as the younger version of the character who basically was a veteran from like the 50s, founded Monarch or became a part of Monarch or whatever it was, and found monsters, helped out Monarch and stuff. And the older version of him is now helping these kids who are trying to find out. I don't know if they're kids, but people in their 20s, their 30s, stuff like that. It's super interesting stuff. But I will say that, you know, having to wait a week between episodes is kind of sucky. The monsters aren't necessarily 
uh, massive, like Godzilla scale. They did have Godzilla in the film back from like the 50s. But I will say that it's interesting to see some of the monsters they bring out. They've had this like dragon, more like this giant bat looking monster. They've also had this like, how do I even describe it? Like this wolf type thing, which like freezes fire or whatever. Turns into the ice can freeze people. Super interesting. And of course, of course, they had to do it. You know, they had to do it. They had the female lead character in the film in a flashback. You found out that she was actually a lesbian and lost her lover. And I, I wasn't even expecting it, you know, and I had no issue with it. I have no issue with it. I, j- I just will say it caught me off guard because of, because of just how pretty, pretty the starting actress was, and it was like, hey, you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't strike her as being a lesbian, but I won't knock her for it. I won't knock her for it. We'll, we'll just leave it there. But I'm certainly rocking with this show halfway through the season, and the episodes are going to continue to come out. I believe three more in 2022, and two more to kick off 2023 before we get Kong, uh, Godzilla times Kong, the new empire where the Scar King is the big villain i'm pumped i'm pumped for that movie i just love love the monster verse and you know i like when they bring in new universes because obviously you got the marvel simac universe you got star wars you got uh, the pixar universe i don't even know but hey big guys big godzilla fan here i should see godzilla minus one i've heard that that's a super good um super good movie super good movie to watch uh certainly trending at the box office i actually kind of want to see the iron claw it's about the von eric family uh, of course a legendary wrestling family uh tragedy tragedy surrounding it due to killings and stuff and death but, um, you know, just a legendary family. I, I explained that terribly. I believe there were some drugs. There were some, like, outer things that led to, like, the downfall of them. But a legendary wrestling family that helped pave the way for more wrestling to come. Of course, not actual wrestling, WWE. Of course, professional wrestling, if you know what I'm saying. Let's do a quick little league check-in before we drop our Week 15 predictions. Checking out the NBA Boston Celtics, still on top in the Eastern Conference. 17-5, perfect 11-0 at home. They're on a little two-game heater. But let me talk about the big one. Number two ranked Bucks are 17-7, and seven, also on a two-game win streak. Giannis Antetokounmpo dropped 64 points the other night. That's insane. Last time I heard someone dropping 64, it was when Devin Booker dropped, what, 70 or 72, like about three or four years ago. But Giannis just going absolutely off, keeping the Bucks in the in the top of the league overall. I mean, wow. And apparently, apparently he was accusing Pacers players, they played the Pacers, of stealing the ball because he wanted the game ball, but from reviewing the footage, it turns out a security guard snatched the game ball right after the uh, right after the buzzer sounded, just grabbed it from an official, because the official's like, I don't care, take the ball. So he's definitely going to be selling that back to Giannis for like 50 Gs or something. He's going to try to make a bag off of that. Orlando Magic currently in third on a two-game win streak, 16-7, and seven, and the 76ers, 16-7 and seven on a four-game heater, are playing their way back to the top. Miami Heat, 14-10 and 10 on a two-game win streak at number six seed, are currently in the playoffs as well. Obviously, that's just how they list the rankings. They do like little dash marks because the one through six seed are confirmed for the playoffs, and then seven through ten will be in the play-in game. So Knicks, Nets, Cavs, and Raptors currently in the playing games for the Eastern Conference. Um, Hawks on a five-game losing streak are now nine and fourteen. Wizards on a six-game losing streak are three and twenty, fourteenth in the conference. And the Detroit Pistons, 
two and twenty-two on a twenty-one game losing streak. Absolutely insane. One and twelve at home. One and twelve at home, one and ten on the road. Wow. So it doesn't matter where they play, they cannot win. I actually saw a funny a funny ad they had. I don't know what um I think it was for Wingstop. I think it was when the Pistons win at home, you get um, five free wings with your purchase of like a normal thing of wings, and they're yet to like win at home since that ad came out or something. I, I found that pretty comical. Um, sorry to any Pistons fans. It, it, it must suck to be you. It must suck to be you. Worst team in the league, actually. It is, it is brutal. And over to the Western Conference, my Minnesota Timberwolves, seventeen and five, are coming off of a loss, but still have been doing amazing, man. Ten and one at home, four and zero in the division. They've been doing their thing. Anthony Edwards coming back from an injury, just gonna help us to continue to dominate the league. You know, I'm a big Timberwolves guy. Not, not like a whole lot. We're like I follow them a lot, but they are my NBA team. You know, I don't really bandwagon any other NBA teams. I mean, I'll root for someone in a matchup, but. But Tim Rules are the team I'll ride with. Thunder in second with a 15-7 and seven record on a two-game win streak. Nothing came of that Josh Giddy situation. That guy just, f- f- was it, swept under the rug, swept under the sea or whatever? Don't know what's going on with that. Mavericks in third, 15-8. and eight. They're on a four-game heater. Luka Doncic been playing amazing. Nuggets in fourth on a two-game win streak. Now 16-9. and nine. Lakers. NBA Cup champions, NBA in-season tournament winners, 15-10 and 10 are at the 5th seed. And the Kings, 13-9, and 9, coming off a loss, are at your 6th seed. Rockets, Clippers, Pelicans, and Suns are in your uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10 positions. Clippers actually on a 5-game win streak, and Rockets on a 4-game win streak. Warriors, 2-game losing streak, they're 10-13, and 13, but an absolutely terrible start to the season. Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins not playing well. Stephen Curry can only do so much. Jazz, Trailblazers, Grizzlies, and Spurs yet to get double-digit wins. Trailblazers on a four-game losing streak. Grizzlies on a three-game losing streak. And the 3-20 and Spurs are just one game better than the Pistons. They're on an 18-game winning uh, losing streak, not winning streak. Um, actually, what are they? They're one and uh one and eleven at home, two and nine on the road. Ugh, that's just that's just disgusting. Victor Wembanyama, number one pick of this past uh, NBA draft, did drop thirty points last night. Almost came back on the Lakers, but they fell three points short. Very, very tragic. Very sad to see. But hey, that's just how it goes. It's pretty funny. Despite being last in the West, they're actually fourth. It assists per game, so they're great at passing the ball. They just suck at um, suck at pulling it together at the at the end to actually get a victory. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's all I really got for the NBA at the moment. Nothing much has been changing. Timberwolves and Celtics, respectfully atop their divisions, doing their thing. Um, let's check on the NHL standings real quick before we dive into our uh, NFL predictions for this upcoming week. In the, actually, we'll go conference. We'll go conference. I was going to go by division, but let's go conference. In the Eastern Conference in the NHL, Rangers, your number one team, a 19-6-1 record. They got 39 points. In second, 18-5-3, the Boston Bruins. They also have 39 points. Both teams have been playing pretty good. Um, In third, the Florida Panthers with 36 points. They're on a three-game win streak, 17-8-2 record 
overall. Anyone else on a couple of heaters? Ooh, someone's on a little four-game win streak. The Flyers, 15-10-2. They got 32 points on the year. Currently the number seven seed in the Eastern Conference. On a four-game losing streak, sadly, the Carolina Pan Hurricanes, Carolina Panthers, also bad. The Carolina Hurricanes, 14-12-1. All right, you're 11 seed and bottom of the Eastern Conference. The Ottawa Senators, a perfect 11-11 record. Um, only got 22 points, though. Actually, with a worse record, though, the Columbus Blue Jackets are 9-16-5. So they're actually the worst, but they have one more point better. Um, of course, at the NHL, they go off of points. We've mentioned that many times. Best team in the league, though, by four points, the Vegas Golden Knights, 19-5-5. They got 43 points. They're on a three-game win streak, 10-2-2 at home. They are pretty freaking good this year. Actually, they're good every year, aren't they? Vegas Golden Knights have been dominant since they were created. What was that, five years ago or something? Canucks in second, 18-9-1. They're on a little two-game win streak. And the Los Angeles Kings in third, 16-5-4. and four. How are my Wild doing? Wild are the 12th seed, 10-12-4. They are, they are coming off a win, though. Good for them. San Jose Sharks, worst team in the league, 8-17-3. Um, are coming off of an overtime loss, though, so not too bad. Chicago Blackhawks, 9-17-1. Equally as bad towards the bottom of the pack. Biggest winning streak right now in the league, though. That's going to belong to the Edmonton Oilers, who have fought their way back from the bottom of the pack. Yeah, the pack, bottom of the pit, actually. Pit, pack, either way you want to spit it. 12, 12, and 1 now on the year. They got 25 points to their name. Connor McDavid, Leon Drasdaddle doing their thing, trying to keep the Oilers in the playoff conversation. Winnipeg Jacks, 16, 8, and 2. They are the number six seed. They have a four game. Win streak. Still a lot of still a lot of time to go in the NHL. A lot of a lot of things can happen. But um I'm interested to see how the rest of the season plays out. It's a it's a tale of two Minnesota teams. Let me tell you, Timberwolves at the top, wild near the bottom. Minnesota Vikings somehow in the middle. We can never just be super good or super bad. There's always controversy when you're a Vikings fan. That's just how it goes and I'll tell you how uh, all this is going to go as we are going to move into our NFL week 15 predictions it's an interesting week kick it off on Thursday night football get three games on Saturday we get multiple games on Sunday and of course one game on Monday this should be a fun one guys let's dive into it Okay, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. But before we begin, oh, I'm always thinking of other things. I got to talk to y'all about my fantasy teams. That's right. Of course, we made the playoffs in all four of my leagues. One was guaranteed. The other three were not guaranteed. But you know I had to get in um, on the playoff spots. You know I'm like that. So in my 12-man random league, of course, I finished with the number one seed in the league. I'm on a bye this week, which I'm actually okay with. I'll either be playing the number fourth or fifth seed, either Kirk Cousins Memorial or Team Haynes. Winner Zach will be uh, anxiously waiting to see what happens. Team is team is kind of an interesting spot. I don't really know what to what to make of it, if I'm being honest. Ooh, Alexander Masson is actually out, so that means I can go to the waiver wire and add a random freaking player. I love this. I just love being able to add random players. Should I add Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Isaiah Likely? Mm, this is these are the crucial decisions us fantasy man us fantasy us fantasy managers have to decide. I I honestly will say. 
I might go with um, actually Romeo Dobbs is up for up for grabs right now. Yeah, Jalen Reed's been playing way better. Um, how did Clyde Edwards Alaire even do last week? Eight points. That's not gonna cut it. That is not going to cut it. I'm gonna snag Isaiah Likely off the board because I can't. And honestly, he's probably the Ravens' number one wide receiver. But yeah, we got Jalen Hurts, Dave Montgomery, uh, Isaiah Pacheco is actually out again this week. Is that the rumor I'm hearing? We'll start Deontay Foreman then, just to just to freaking do it. I mean, why not? Why not? Honestly, do I have an extra bench spot? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I'm on a buy, which I'm incredibly blessed to be because this team is in rough shape. In my ten man twenty dollar buy in league, though, I am not on a buy, and I actually have a crazy matchup. Um, round one is wow. Okay, so round one last two. Two different weeks at last week 15 and week 16. Uh, kicking us off, um, I'm choosing to start Sam Howell over Trevor Lawrence, I think. Christian McCaffrey a lock, Joe Mixon a lock. We got Cortland Sutton and Rasheed Rice. Isaiah Likely, of course. He Mostert's currently in the flex just because I don't know if he's going to play. Dolphins defense, Matt Gay. I'm really hoping that Matt Gay can turn it around. He got negative one points last week. Absolutely screwed me over. But um, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust in Matt Gay. I, I, I honestly don't think he's going to do as bad back-to-back weeks. Usually kickers do bad one week, bounce back, but we'll see. we got Ty Chandler, Minnesota running back on the bench. Taysom Hill's on the bench. Jerome Ford's on the bench. Addison, Cooper, Higgins. Ten-man leagues, your teams can become oddly stacked if you uh, if you let them. But as for our matchup, I'm playing Russell Wilson, not too scary. Playing Derrick Henry and Chubba Hubbard, not terribly scary. Drake London, Puka Nakua, George Kittle. Jalen Reed, Rams defense, Evan McPherson. You know, it's hit or miss with some of these guys. I don't know. We'll have to see how it all plays out. In my 12-man Cato Man League, um, I'm playing our... Oh, my gosh. Am I playing the number one team? Oh, no, I'm not. Actually, actually, I think I'm playing the number three team. So I was able to sneak into the playoffs as the seventh seed. So I'm actually playing the number two guy now that I've officially looked at it. That's very unfortunate. Um, team is not looking too sexy. We got Matt Stafford starting QB. I'm starting him over CJ Stroud just because Stroud had a, um, what's it called? He had a, um, what am I, a concussion last week. And I was like, I do not want to deal with this. I do not want to deal with him having a concussion again and screwing me over. Um, I do see that Tommy DeVito's on our waiver wire, and I put up, I picked up Nick Mullins off the bench. I don't know if Nick Mullins is... I, I, don't, I don't think Nick Mullins is worth it at all, actually. I might drop Nick Mullins and pick up someone like Tommy DeVito just to freaking do it. I, I like I like pick up people like that. Little, little Will Levis, little Tommy DeVito. I mean, Will Levis been somewhat balling, not as good as when he debuted. But um, maybe I should snag up a random, random player just in case I, just in case I run out some random player. I don't know. Doesn't even matter. DeAndre Swift, Chubba Hubbard are my running backs. Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, the wide receivers. Tyreek's questionable though. I don't like that. I don't like that uh, Tyreek Hill is questionable. Sam Laporta, tight end. He needs a big bounce back week. I got Devin Singletary in the flex currently. I don't know what to make of that. Dolphins D and the number one kicker in fantasy, Brandon Aubrey. Such a good pickup. Pretty much everyone got him off a of waiver wire, but you love to see it. And in the six-man All-Star League, I take on my father this week. Dak Prescott starring QB. We got Kyrene Williams. Um, right now, going to be starting Raheem Mostert. We'll see, though. Uh, Puka Nakua, Debo Samuel starting wide receivers, Travis Kelsey, uh, tight 
end number one. Actually, I only have one tight end. Derrick Henry in the flex. Falcons defense against Carolina and Dustin Hopkins, the number two kicker in fantasy. Don't know if I should start Raheem. Um, a little skeptical about that due to him potentially getting injured again. I would not want that to happen. Kind of screwed me over. Or no, it wasn't him. It was Nico Collins who I had starting. So Nico Collins is on my bench this weekend. But we did not come to talk about my fantasy teams. We came to talk about all the exciting matchups that are going to be going down in the NFL. And I had previously put all the teams down in... um just on my sheet and there have been so many switches that I actually am going to have to maybe rotate them around because on my Excel spreadsheet they've changed the complete game lineup since I inputted this weeks ago so um but the same same goes for Thursday Night Football Chargers taking on the Raiders and oh my goodness I'm, I might watch this game tonight I don't know this is probably going to be a brutal game little matchup in the AFC West as the 5-8 and eight Chargers take on the 5-8 and eight Raiders Chargers coming off a loss Raiders coming off a three straight losses and I mean Chargers are a perfect 282 and 282 so a uh, point differentials at a zero now as for the Raiders a minus 57 point differential um have these teams met met this year I honestly cannot cannot recall if they've engaged in battle yet this year um they have they have not wow they actually meet for uh no they have haven't they met haven't they met uh yes they've played on my birthday chargers won 24 to 17 now i will say easton stick is starting it's um justin herbert's out for the year with what is it a thumb injury or something very unfortunate but the way the raiders have been playing these last three weeks i just physically cannot pick them um raiders have also not been too good at home Chargers have been better on the road i uh i go with the chargers in this one i like the pick i like these risky picks that you don't know how they're gonna turn out so you kind of just go oh who should i pick who should i pick and eventually you just kind of flip a coin and land on one of the teams but yeah that's what we're going with that's what we're landing on we're gonna go with the chargers and actually the chargers could statistically winner of this could statistically make the playoffs um because i believe as of right now 30 of the 32 teams are currently playoff eligible um, I think it's the, who is it? The Panthers and the Cardinals are eliminated. Somehow, somehow the Patriots aren't eliminated. I don't know. I don't know how the heck that makes sense. That just actually, that makes no sense to me. But as we head into the weekends, hopefully following a Chargers win, let me just make sure I locked in the Chargers. We have a fun matchup between my Minnesota Vikings and the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals. Really hoping, really hoping the Vikings can get this done. Um, it was an awkward last week against the Raiders. No idea what happened in that game. I have no idea what's happened, what happened in that game, but uh, defensive battle. Uh, Nick Mullins will be getting the start for us. Hopefully Justin Jefferson can start really Really hoping Justin Jefferson can start. I'm praying that Justin Jefferson can start that game. Because he made two catches against the Raiders and then decided to get hurt. That was detrimental. Detrimental to this. The boringness that was the Vikings versus the Raiders. 
Uh, I'm trying to click on the NFC, but I guess we'll talk about the Bengals. Bengals are 7-6 and six and are 4th in the AFC North. AFC North, probably the best division in football right now. Minus 7-point differential for them, but they are on a 2-game win streak. It was a massive, massive win last week. For the Bengals, they beat the who was it? They they just who did they do? They beat the Colts. They um, gave it to the Colts actually. What was it? Thirty four to thirty four to fourteen or something. And the week before, Bengals beat the Jaguars. So uh, Jake Browning, he's been doing his part. He's been balling. He's been trying to try to supply the boys with uh, with some wins. But um, you know what? I just got the Vikings defense. All right, we've improved. We've gotten better. We now know what we want. We want to win. Want to make the playoffs. Want to win the Super Bowl for Kirk Cousins. That's what I want. That's what I want, at least. Vikings 7-6, and six, second in the AFC North. Number 6 seed currently in the playoffs. Plus 18-point differential. You know, as long as we win and the Packers and Seahawks lose, we can still make the playoffs. But it's, it is so tight. It is so tight right now, the NFC and the AFC, actually. It's tight all around. But obviously, we're picking the Vikings. As you know, I am a lifelong Vikings fan. Keeping our Saturday games rolling along, we got an interesting one here. Saturday at 3.30, the Steelers will visit the Colts in Indianapolis. I don't know what to make of this one, guys. I don't know what to make of this one. All right, you got this Steelers team and this Colts team are so hit or miss. They're so hit or miss, it's hard to predict what you'll get. Steelers are 7-6, and six, minus 40 point differential-wise. Third in the AFC North on a two-game losing streak. It's been ugly, two losses to the Patriots and the Cardinals in back-to-back weeks. And as for the Colts, 7-6, and six, second in the AFC South, minus 16 point differential. But this, this offense has put up 314 points. Defense has put up 330. They, you know, they score as many points as they give up, it seems like. They are coming off a loss last weekend to the Bengals, but it's it's been just a rocky road for this Colts all season. You know, they'll beat the Titans one week, all right, then they'll lose to the freaking, who will they lose to? They, they'll lose to the, actually, they've beaten the Buccaneers. They were the, weren't they on a little heater? Weren't they on a little three-game win streak or something? Heading back to week 10, who did they play? Beat the Patriots. Week 9, they lost. Week 9, they beat the Panthers. Um, oh my gosh, I actually predicted the Panthers to beat the Colts. I cannot believe I did that, going back to week 9. Sometimes it's funny to revisit my past predictions. But yeah, this Colts team, the Steelers team, they're in the same boat. You know, They win some, they lose some. But I think the Steelers are just... They're just ugly. They're an ugly football team to watch. I think the Colts are more fun to watch. They've played better. They've played some uh, tougher matchups. We're going to go with the Colts over the Steelers. And I would honestly be more inclined to pick the Steelers if they hadn't lost to two of the bottom four, bottom three worst teams in the league. Actually, Panthers are the bottom. That's the Cardinals. That's Patriots. So they lost to the number 31 and 30 teams in the league. There's just no recovering from that Steelers. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to all my Steelers fans out there. At my roommate Seth. Tough, tough, tough. Rounding us out on Saturday though, we get the Denver Broncos visiting the Detroit Lions. Oh my goodness. They, the, the the Lions are in desperate need. Desperate need of a win. They're coming off of a rough loss. Rough loss last week to the Bears, lost by 15 freaking points. I don't even know what went wrong. They are 9-4, and four, though, top of the NFC North in the playoff race currently. 340 points for 314 points against. That's pretty interesting. Didn't I just say that the... Didn't I just say, oh, the Colts were 314 points for 330 points against. That's pretty interesting how numbers work. 
Um, but yeah, Lions, their four losses this year have just, just been so awkward. The Packers lost, the um, last weekend the Bears lost for sure. It's it's almost just perplexing at times that they can lose some of these games, which is why I'm not too confident in this prediction as Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson, leads his 7-6, and six, number two team in the AFC West, Broncos into Detroit for this matchup. And despite giving up 70 points in one game, this team has fought their way back to only have a point differential of minus, um, what is it, 21? Minus 22, I think is Yeah, minus 22. They haven't find their way back, um, but um, it'll be interesting to see. The Lions just statistically have all the tools. On paper, they have all the tools, but we'll see if they can execute. I'm obviously picking the Lions. Come on, David Montgomery. Come on, Sam Laporta. I need you guys to do big things, especially Sam Laporta. But, um, yeah, we'll root for the Lions, but um, if they lose and the Vikings win, we could potentially take over the division. So maybe it's best for business if the Broncos win, but no matter how good the Broncos are, I, the Lions just should be better. Lions, my official prediction. Heading into our Sunday noon slate, we kick things off with the Jets and the Dolphins in the AFC West. The Dolphins are 9-4, and four, the number one team, um, the best offense in the uh, AFC. 411 points for 294 points against. Coming off of an upset loss to the Titans last week, and no idea what went wrong there. But um, they do play the Jets, who are 5-8, and eight, coming off of a win over the Texans. Minus 56-point differential. Dolphins already beat the Jets, ran through them. There's just, yeah, that was on Black Friday. That wasn't but a month. That wasn't, that was like just a couple weeks ago. So I'm easily picking the Dolphins. Probably one of my better locks for the week. But uh, maybe don't count the Jets' defense out, but that Jets' offense can be atrocious at times. Um, yeah, I say Jets, wait for Aaron Rodgers next year. If, that doesn't go right, then completely rebuild. But Tyree Kill is under 500 yards now away from reaching 2,000 on the year. Best of luck to you, Cheetah. Best of luck. Keeping the noon slate a rolling. The Texans will be visiting the Titans, and I just, I just cannot, I just cannot with how. How many of these just close matchups there are this week? Texans, 7-6, number 3 team in the AFC South, plus, uh, plus what is that, 8-point differential. Facing the 5-8 and eight Titans, bottom of the AFC South, bottom of the AFC in general, pretty much. Minus 41-point differential. Hit or miss, they are coming off of a win, you know. And the Texans, you know, they lost C.J. Stroud, they lost Nico Collins, they lost Tank Dell. They lost essentially everyone in that loss to the Jets last week. And they don't have Nico Collins this weekend again. I don't know if they're even going to have C.J. Stroud. And the Titans, they got some momentum. They got some momentum. The Titans are going to be at home. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Titans. I'm going Titans over Texans. I think the Titans... What's the word I'm searching for? Titans running will get past the Texans' defense, if that makes any sense. Um, these teams will meet again on New Year's Eve, so this will be a preview of what to come for there. But you know what? I'm going with Will Levis and Derrick Henry over Davis Mills and Damian Pierce. So we'll say that. That's how I'll phrase it. Buccaneers will be visiting my rival Green Bay Packers. Uh, a little Sunday football, and man, I'll be rooting for the Bucks in this one. Um, let me just tell you all, I'm a Packers hater. You know, I obviously don't care for the Lions or Bears a lot. But I just do not care for the Packers at all. Thankfully, the Packers lost last week to Tommy DeVito and the Giants, six and seven. They have a plus thirteen point differential. And Packers were on a little heater. They were uh, beating the Lions, beating the Chiefs. They were 
They're on. They were doing everything good, but then they ran into the Giants on Monday Night Football. Buccaneers are currently in first in the NFC South, despite the Bucks, Falcons, and Saints all having a six and seven record. Minus eight point differential, the Bucks have somehow found their way in a two-game win streak. Wins over the Panthers and trying to jog the memory banks on who the Buccaneers beat last weekend. I guess I'll have to look. They beat the Falcons last weekend, so beat two of their divisional rivals. Um, I just don't like the Packers. I'm sorry. I don't know what the Packers could do to have me pick them. And, you know, honestly, in this one, their team's, their offense is probably better. They're at home. All signs point towards the Packers win, but I'm rooting for the Bucks. That's just how petty I am. That's just how petty I am. Speaking of the Giants and Saints, Giants will visit the Saints on Sunday. Saints are 6-7 and seven with a plus 24-point differential. Hmm, how about that? Coming off a win over the Panthers last weekend, but who hasn't beaten the Panthers? 28-6, to though. They were able to handle them accordingly. And the Giants, three-game win streak, all under Tommy DeVito, 5-8. and eight. They have still only have 183 points for, giving up 314 points against. So that the offense and defense are still not all there. And despite being on this run, I, 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 just, I just do not see it continuing. I just do not see it continuing in New Orleans. One of the main reasons is that the Giants won two of those games at home against the Packers and Patriots, and then they beat the Commanders, who are a divisional rival, 31-19. Of course, that was three weeks ago. So for those reasons, I'm out. For those reasons, I'm out. Mark Cuban, you know, little Mark Cuban on um, Shark Tank, I'm out. I'm out on the Giants this week. It was fun picking, picking them to beat the Packers and actually having them do it. But I just don't see them doing it in New Orleans. We're going to pick the Saints to win that one. But if Tommy DeVito wins again, I'll be rooting for him. And we have another NFC South divisional matchup this week. Wow. As the Falcons take on the Panthers. Falcons 6-7, and seven, second in the NFC South. A plus two-point differential. Coming off of a tough loss last weekend to the Buccaneers. You know, it, it happens. Desmond Ritter balled out, though. You know, I will say Desmond Ritter proved that he can be a really good starting quarterback when he's on. Um, that's not always, it's not always that he's odd. I mean, some, sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't, but, um, his, his stats last weekend, I mean, 347 passing yards, touchdown and a pick. I mean, even ran in a touchdown. He was doing all he could trying to help this team. Drake London had 10 catches for 172 yards. And what more do I need to say about the Panthers? I mean, I don't even need to try and gas up the Falcons offense. To talk about how bad the Panthers are. Panthers are one in 12. 197 points for, 341 points against. The point differential is just atrocious at minus, minus 140 for a six-game losing streak. It's It's been rough going for the Panthers, but I will say, divisional matchup like this against the Falcons, who aren't an, a necessarily amazing team, could prove a way for Bryce Young to get his second win of his young career. But I don't see that happening. I'm actually going to pick the Falcons D up in my six-man All-Star League and I'm going to ride with the Falcons in this one. Battle of the Bees as the Bears will be visiting the Browns in our... Oh, now we get two more 12 o'clock games. Bears will visit the Browns, and uh, yeah, Bears 5-8 and eight on a little two-game win streak. Minus 39-point differential. This team has somehow, somehow managed to pick up wins over the Lions and the Vikings. In back-to-back weeks. Honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea what I've done. Actually, that wasn't even... Be- oh, no, we had they had a week. They had a bye week, same week as the Vikings. I was about to say, how, how did they do that? But, no. 
Yeah. Uh, somehow Justin Fields been doing it. I'd really give credit to the Bears' defense over anything. That's personally how I would view it. But they do meet their maker in the Browns, eight and five, second in the AFC North. Currently, the I believe top seed. Yes, they're the fifth seed in the AFC playoff race. Browns have a plus 17-point differential coming off of a win last weekend. And wasn't it a pretty good win? Yeah, they beat the Jaguars. Big win for the Browns there. Look, this Bears team, I don't know what they could throw at me. They just, I just do not. I just, their team just is not good to me. It's just not good to me. Their defense may be good. Offense is all that. DJ Moore's good. Cole Komet's good. I'm not a Justin Fields fan. We're going with the Browns in this one. This Browns defense should eat a majority of offenses in the NFL. Uh, live. And our final game on our noon spot of Sunday, as the Chiefs will visit the Patriots. Um, Bill Belichick, by the way, um, basically informed, or basically he was told, found out through the public, that he will not be coaching next year. They'll be moving on. So this is Bill Belichick's final year. A depressing year if you're a Patriots fan. 3-10. and 10, Worst team in the AFC. 169 points for. 272 points against. The worst offense in the league. They did f- somehow win. Against the Steelers last week, no idea how, no idea how they did that, but yeah, they 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 managed to win. But team's atrocious. Team is atrocious. Ezekiel Elliott finally had a good game last week, dropped like twenty-seven fantasy points. But who knows if he'll repeat that? Chiefs are eight and five on a two-game losing streak. Despite that, though, despite that two-game losing streak, they do have a plus sixty-four point differential. So. They uh they've been playing decently all year, you know, big wins, big losses. I think the Chiefs get it done here. There's just there's just really the Patriots give me nothing to 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 root for them for. All right, the Patriots minus one hundred and three point differential. Um, Patrick Mahomes, get back to your form and pass to Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. Pass to those two individuals. Heck, even run it with Clyde Edwards Alaire. Why not? Be adventurous, Patrick. Be adventurous. Moving into the 3 o'clock slate, we get uh, 1, 2, 3, we get 3, 3.30 games. First one up, 49ers and Cardinals, a little NFC West matchup. 49ers could be the best team in the league. 10-3, 380 points for, 205 points against. That is an outstanding plus 175-point differential. They're on a five-game heater. Brock Purdy's in the MVP conversation. Chris McCaffrey is leaving all the other wide receivers in the dust. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, amazing wide receivers. What is there not to love about this 49ers team, man? What is there not to freaking love? They've been outstanding. They have actually been outstanding. I've been so impressed. And there's that one point. They were on a three-game losing streak. They lost to the Browns. They lost to the Vikings. I don't even know who their other loss was to. But, um, yeah, the season looked over, and they've revitalized it. And this offense and defense have been looking so, so back. Cardinals, on the other hand, you know, they did win. Cardinals did win last weekend. Um, I cannot recall who it was against. It could not have been the Steelers, wasn't it? It wasn't the Steelers. Who who'd the Cardinals beat last week? Oh, they were on a bye. So, yes, their last win was actually to the Steelers in week 13. Hmm. How about that? But, um, yeah, nothing Nothing will help them. Nothing will help them. They're 3-10, 230 points for, 331 points against. Kyler Murray coming back has been a huge W for the team, but this 49ers team is just too, too supreme compared to them. You, you got a Roman emperor versus a common Greek uh, pedestrian. That's how this is going to go. All right. Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey going to do their do their white boy thing on this Cardinals defense. I'll tell you that. 
Commanders coming off their bye will take on the Rams. And the Rams, you know, despite coming off of a loss last weekend, are 3-1 and one last four games. They've been playing some excellent ball. Kyrene Williams, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Matt Stafford, turning it all, all up. Rams are 6-7, and seven, plus 9-point differential, second in the NFC West. The playoffs are um, a real possibility for this team. As for the Commanders, 4-9. 261 points for the worst defense in the league, 395 points allowed. They're on a four-game losing streak. And I was going to pick this team to win coming off a bye, but the defense just gives up too many points, and this offense of the Rams has just been scorching. They've been looking amazing. I just cannot physically pick them. I can't physically pick them. And even though the Rams lost a close one to the Ravens in overtime last weekend, I don't think that hurts them a lot. I really don't think that hurts them a lot. I'm going to pick the Rams. I'm going to root for Matt Stafford. I'm going to root for Kyrene Williams. A little Cooper Cup action. A little Puka Nakua action. And you know what? Even if Sam Howell does amazing, I just don't think this Commanders team can get past how bad their defense is. Which is absolutely crazy. It's absolutely crazy because I thought their defense was going to be good this year. Rounding out our 330 games. Holy cow. This one is amazing. The Cowboys visit the Bills. This should be a fun one. The best offense right now in the league. The Dallas Cowboys number one team in the NFC. Number one team in the NFC East with a 10-3 and record. 421 points for 233 points against on a five-game win streak. This Cowboys team has been scorching. Absolutely scorching. Plus 188 point differential. That is absurd. The Bills, 7-6, second in the AFC East. Coming off of a win last weekend. About time the Bills got a freaking win. 348 points for 244 points against a plus 104 point differential. You know, this Bills team is so hit or miss, but the Cowboys, I will say, have been better at home than on the road, and this Bills team plays up to the level of their competition, and I'm just, I'm I'm going with the Bills in this one. I don't know what it is. Something's telling me the Bills are going to win this game. There's just something telling me the Bills have got this game down. Bills upset the Chiefs last weekend. Cowboys obviously ran through the Eagles. Um, I just think the Bills got to carry that momentum in and take over. Josh Allen going to do his thing. Stephon Diggs going to cook. And maybe DeMar Hamlin will get an interception. If he's even still on the team. I don't pay too much attention to that. But yeah, that's probably my biggest upset pick of the week. The Bills over the Cowboys. If you view that as an upset like I do, then that's what I think my upset of the week is going to be. Bills over Cowboys. Close game, though. I don't think it's going to be a, a double-digit win. Sunday Night Football, an interesting one as the Ravens meet the Jaguars. Jaguars are currently 8-5. and five. Wait, what? Didn't the Ravens and Jaguars play the other week? I swear the Raiders and Jaguars only play. Oh, I was thinking Jaguars and Bengals for some reason. Um, Jaguars, 8-5, 312 points, 4, 290 points against, plus 22. Uh, are on a little two-game losing streak. Awkward losses, back-to-back weeks. Browns and Browns and Bengals. I don't know what's been going on with the Jaguars, but let me just tell you, the Ravens, scorching, 10-3, best team in the AFC, 361 points for, 218 points against on a three-game win streak. Defenses look good, offenses look good. What more do you want? The Jaguars team is stingy, they're iffy, they're, uh, they're either good or they're bad. Ravens team, under Lamar Jackson, been very cons- consistent. Running back room, not very consistent, but you can be uh, consistent with the defense and with how Lamar Jackson's played. So for that reason, 
Give me the Ravens by double digits over the Jaguars. That's just how I view it, man. Ravens Ravens could be repping the AFC in the uh, Super Bowl. Who knows if Lamar can turn it on the playoffs for the first time in his career. And we round out. We round out our week. I just feel like this team's always rounding out every week as a battle of the birds as the 6-7 and seven Seahawks, currently number 3 in the NFC West, meet the number 2-seeded Eagles in the NFC East, 10-3 and three on a two-game losing streak. This one should be interesting in Seattle. Eagles lost two straight games, blowouts to the 49ers and to the Cowboys. This team that was looking unstoppable has now looked ever so beatable. Somehow the point differential has went from a lot to a little as it's only plus 21 now. Jalen Hurts, you know, it's it's pretty much been the defense, you know. So the, the offense has been trying. Jalen Hurts, Vontae Smith, A.J. Brown, DeAndre Swift. Uh, even, I'll even throw Dallas Goddard and O's a chase or whatever into the mix. They've all been looking very talented, but this defense has just been giving up too many points, and this defense will be this team's downfall. Seahawks four-game losing streak. I don't know what's gone wrong. I have no idea what's gone wrong. They have a minus 38-point differential. There's at one point they were going to take over the division. Um, and since uh, since that point where they were a game ahead of the 49ers, they've since done nothing. They've since done nothing. Haven't won. Um, haven't done anything. I just, uh, yeah, I just cannot pick the Seahawks. All right, even if the Seahawks pull off the upset at home, just everything points me towards the Eagles. And plus, what's going to win, an Eagle or a Seahawk? That's all the information you need. Give me Eagles plus seven. That's That's right. That's right. We're calling the Eagles plus seven. And let me check out my pick sheet, make sure all my predictions I made on here align with the words I've said. Colts, Vikings, Falcons, Bucks, Dolphins, Titans, Saints, and the Chargers tonight. That game actually already started. Your live check-in. The Raiders already scored. What the heck? Um, That's odd. That is odd. Uh, a nine-yard run? from some running back i have i have no idea it is what it is game is young only halfway through the first let's go easton stick turn it on so yeah that's all i got for week 15 in the nfl it's coming to an end i'm excited for my show next weekend with ryan i'll be interested to break down some games with him hopefully we can get that done so oh there's gonna be games saturday aren't they there's gonna be some games saturday aren't uh, oh wait a minute Wait a second. Next Saturday. Next Saturday. I'm kind of getting my days mixed up. Um, Saturday I'll be coming in. NFL Week 16. I should see if the Vikings... The Vikings play on December 16th. Yeah, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the December... December um, 23rd to 24th schedule. That's what I kind of want to kind of want to get a look at because if the Vikings play on Saturday that would be amazing I hope they don't oh we only get two games on the 23rd every other game is on the 24th that is that is mildly upsetting we get Bengals and Pittsburgh and the Bills and the Chargers okay so I might have to do a little pre-show before that talking about those games and then Saturday, Saturday night, I can drop a show with Ryan where we go over all the games for 
Sunday. Okay, I think that's going to be the plan for next weekend. Um, By the way, guys, episode 50 going to be dropping next weekend. That should be a super fun one. I've got some fun stuff planned for that, including ranking every single UFC fight night. And we'll probably rank every single UFC title fight. We're going to be ranking a lot of stuff through these last few weeks once we run out of uh, UFC for like three weeks or whatever. Just to round out 2023, we'll be doing a bunch of rankings. But with that, it brings me to my final topic of the episode, the UFC 296 predictions, the UFC 296 preview. Stay tuned for that as I have to go get drink some like warm lemon water, blow my nose or something. We got to we got to get uncongested before we dive into UFC 296. So sit tight, grab your freaking listening earphones or whatever. I don't even know and stay tuned for all the predictions. Alrighty, the UFC 296 press conference was actually going on, so I figured I might as well watch the rest of that. It was absolute chaos. Colby Covington is an absolute menace. That boy knows how to sell fights. He also knows how to make enemies. That's for certain. But yes, UFC 296, the final pay-per-view, one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year, goes down this Saturday. It has taken some hits, though unfortunately as um we've had some fight cancellations within the last 24 hours probably even less time when we break it down for starters our middleweight um apologies welterweight matchup which was supposed to open the main card between Vicente Luque and Ian Gary has been canceled unfortunately um Ian Gary um had the flu which then turned into pneumonia and the doctors ruled him out so no Ian Gary and his wag will be at the fight conference I was sad because I wanted to see Ian Gary at the press conference with um what's his face Colby Covington sadly that did not uh, end up happening hopefully they can get out of another card together but that fight has unfortunately been canceled before weigh-ins even began opening prelim of the night another welterweight bout between randy brown and muslim salikov has also been canceled as randy brown has been ruled out as being sick so we've gone from a 14 fight main card to 12 in just under 24 hours you hate to see it I really hate to see it, but I do care more about the health of the fighters than about the, uh, what am I trying to say, than about the uh, people fighting, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but yeah, I'm just happy we get fights nonetheless for this card, so without a doubt, let's dive into it and check out every single fight. We open up the evening with a heavyweight matchup between Martin Bads Boudet and Shamil Gaziev. Martin Boudet is third. And one Shamil Gaziev is a perfect eleven and zero. Both men are six foot four, and Shamil has a seventy eight inch reach to Martin Boudet's seventy seven. Both fighters also have an orthodox stance. Shamil Gaziev hails from uh, Bahrain. B-A-H-R-A-I-N, I believe that is in Eastern uh, Asia, but he was born in Dagestan. The 33-year-old has seven KOs and three subs of his 11 victories. He actually trains at KHK MMA, the same gym as Islam Bahachev, your current pound-for-pound number one fighter in the UFC, and surging flyweight prospect Mohamed Mokayev. 
Shamil actually came from this past season of Dana White's Contender Series, Episode 7, back in September. He beat Greg Velasco in two and a half minutes by submitting him. Only his third submission in his career. Shamil Gazioff is a feared heavyweight um, opponent and is being treated accordingly as he was calling for a top 15 guy. And he got Martin Boudet, who is just outside the rankings. I'm talking winner of this could very well be ranked, so I'm happy to see Shamil Gazioff make his debut so soon. His opponent, Martin Boudet, a perfect 4-0 in the UFC, came from Season 5 of Dana White's Contender Series back in 2021. Martin Boudet is 32 years old and is from Slakovia, or Slovakia, I'm sorry, not Slakovia, that is a made-up country from the Avengers, Slovakia is what I meant. Six KOs and three subs of his 13 victories, he's currently on a 12-fight win streak. His only loss was to Juan Espino almost 10 years ago, Juan Espino won. One um uh one of the seasons of Dana White's uh, or not Dana White's of the Ultimate Fighter. It was a while ago since uh, that's been though. Twelve fights since Martin Boudet is a formidable opponent. Martin last fought in August of this year where he submitted Josh Parsians in round number one with a Kimura. Other than that, he's beaten Chris Barnett, Lucas Brzeek, and Jake Collier all by unanimous decision. This is going to be an absolute banger prelim to open up the night, but I'm sorry. You are not having me pick against my boy Shamil Gaziev. I'm so high on Shamil. I'm really hoping he gets it done. It won't be easy going against Martin Boudet, but I'll be rooting for him. We're going Shamil Gaziev. I just think overall... He's more of a hard hitter. He's more of a powerhouse, and he fought more recently. So we're going with a little bit of that Shamil Gaziov. And into our second prelim of the night, we get a featherweight matchup between Andre Touchy Feely and Lucas Almeida. Andre Feely is 22 and 10 with one no contest. Lucas Almeida is 14 and 2. Both fighters are 5 foot 11. Andre has a 3 inch reach advantage, 74 to 71 inches. Both fighters fight orthodoxly. Andre Touchy Feely been in the UFC since 2013. This is year 10 for him. 33 year old was born. Born in Washington, but now lives in Sacramento. He actually trains at Team Alpha Male with a number of other fighters on this card. Nine KOs and three subs of his 22 victories give him a 50% finish rate. Andre last fought in July, his only fight of the year so far, where he lost a unanimous decision to Nathaniel Wood. That was a back and fight, uh, back and fight, a back and forth matchup, though, which actually saw Andre get knocked down in round one, but knocked down Nathaniel in round number two. Andre hasn't had the best of luck as of late. His last win came in September 2022, where he won a split decision over Bill Algeo. In 2022, he was also knocked out by Anderson Brito. No contest against Daniel Pineda. In 2020, had a, a brutal unanimous decision loss to Bryce Mitchell. It's been rough going for Andre Feely, but been the UFC a while. I mean, he's fought in Max Holloway, fought in Aaron Rodriguez, fought in Calvin Cater, fought in Michael Johnson. This guy's fought Sodiq Youssef. My goodness, he's fought a number of people, and he's looking to pick up another win after this one. His opponent, Lucas Almeida, the 32-year-old, is from Brazil, and of his 14 victories, 6 by KO, 5 by... Oh, no, 9 by KO, 5 by submission. He's got a 100% finish rate. I was reading a different fighter. Stats there for a moment. Coming from Season 5 of Day West Contender Series, where he actually lost to Daniel Zaluber, they would give him a shot in June of 2022, where on short notice, he would beat Michael Trezano in a fight of the night, Round 3 TKO. Earlier this year in June, though, he would unfortunately get arm triangled by Pat Sabatini in round number two. 
tough going for him there, but honestly, I like what I've seen from Lucas Almeida. He's got some punch and power. He dropped Michael Drazano twice in that fight. And if he can knock it taken down by Andre Feely, I don't think he should have any problem knocking him out. So we're going to go with Lucas Almeida. And I'm, I'm going with Shamil and Lucas, both by KO, to open up this card. But, I mean, either I could see any, any way of them getting the victory, but I'm liking what I'm seeing from Lucas Almeida. Keeping the prelims a rolling, we go on to a flyweight matchup between two top 15 flyweights. We mentioned it earlier on the card as number 15 ranked Cody Durden takes on number 12 ranked Tagir Ulan Bekyoff. Tagir is 14 and 2. Cody is 16 and 4. Both fighters are 5 foot 7 and a 3 inch reach advantage for Tagir Olympekov, 70 inches to 67. And they also both fight Southpaw. The matchmakers have just been outdoing themselves with these matchups. Tagir Olympekov, the number 12 ranked men's flyway, is coming off a big win over Nate Manez back in November 2022. Submitted him with a guillotine choke in two minutes, but since then has not fought the uh, 32 year old is from Russia, and of his 14 victories, eight are by submission. Of course, one of those was his last time out. He only has one loss in the UFC, and that was a unanimous decision loss to Tim Elliott back in March of 2022. That fight is disputed due to fence grabs from uh, Tim Elliott. Other than that, though, 3-1 and one in the UFC. He picked up wins over Alan Nascimento in 2021, Bruno Silva in 2022, or I mean 2020. So it's been a while since Tegirl and Bekoff last fought, just over a year and a month. Um... Happy to see him back in the octagon. He is uh, he is one of the Dagestani boys, just not as talented as some of the other ones. His opponent, Cody Durden, been in the UFC since 2020. The 32-year-old is from Georgia of his 16 career victory, 6 by knockout, 5 by sub. And he currently rides what I believe is the biggest win streak in the, or one of the biggest in the men's flyweight division, not the biggest, as he has won his last four fights. Um, kicking this off, he won in June of 2022 over J.P. Buys, knocked him out in just over a minute, and has used his grappling his last four times out to beat Carlos Mota, Charles Johnson, and most recently a big one in August over Jake Hadley. The control time has been ridiculous. Last time out had seven and a half minutes. Fight before against Charles Johnson, nine and a half minutes, and that fight against Carlos Mota had 12 and a half minutes. He loves his uh, takedowns, but also, as we can see with the J.P. Bias fight, he can win using his hands. Only two losses in the UFC are to Mohamed Mokayev, who we, of course, know is unbelievably talented, and to Jimmy Flick back in 2020. And oddly enough, Chris Gutierrez, who uh, recently lost the uh, main event to Soggy Dog, had a draw against Cody Durden back in 2020. So Cody Durden, a formidable opponent. This could turn into a grapple fest. And unfortunately for Tagir, I'm going to take Cody Durden in this one. He's got the win streak. He fought more recently. He's been carrying in some momentum. And I like what I've been seeing from Cody. I actually think Cody has better hands, a better chance on the feet to maybe win some more time. But if he gets taken down by Tagir, he'll have to be careful. He does not get submitted. It should be interesting um, to see what occurs. Keeping us up. Moving, we do. Ooh, we get a ranked woman's flyweight bout between Casey O'Neill and Ariana Lipsky. Casey O'Neill currently ranked number 12 at women's flyweight. Casey King O'Neill is 9 1. Ariana, Queen of Violence Lipsky, 
is 16 and 8. Both women are 5'6", 69-inch reach to 67 in favor of Casey, and both women fight orthodox. The matchmakers just continue to do their job. Casey O'Neill um, was previously 9-0 before suffering her first career defeat earlier this year in March, losing a unanimous decision to Jennifer Maya. Fight never went to the ground um, as Casey got outstruck 145-137. to Previously, though, she had been 4-0 in the UFC with finishes of Shannon Dobson in round 2, Lara Patricio in round number 3, and a big one, a performance of the night, round 2 TKO of Antonia Shevchenko, including um, in February of 2022, a dominant split decision win over Roxanne Mordafri where she landed 229 significant strikes. Casey O'Neill is only 26. She was born in Scotland, but now fights out of Australia. She actually trains at Extreme Couture with Sean Strickland, current middleweight champion, and Chris Curtis, fellow middleweight. Two subs and three KOs make up nine of her career victories. Her opponent, Ariana Lipsky, riding a two-fight win streak into this one. Ariana is 29 years old from Piranha, Brazil. She actually trains at King's MMA with notable Brazilian fighters Rafael dos Anjos, um, uh, Fabricio Verdum, Shogun Hua, awesome featherweights and lightweights like Benil Dariushki, get Jakadze. She trains with some very good male fighters. Six KOs and three subs make up her 16 career victories. Been in the UFC since 2019. I mean, she's fought Joanne Wood, Molly McCann. Actually submitted Luiana Carolina with an arm, a knee bar in the minute and a half back in 2020. Uh, last loss came to Priscilla Cachuea back in August of 2022. But so far in 2023, wins over J.J. Aldrich and Melissa Gatto, both by unanimous decision. Sorry for Ariana, though. I think Casey O'Neill is super talented. I just think she kind of ran into a reality check when she fought... Um, What's-her-face, uh, Jennifer Maya. You know, I, I don't doubt that Casey O'Neill can continue to climb the ranks at women's flyweight, so I'm actually going to pick her to win this bout. Um, I'll go by decision, though. I'll go by decision. Now, I won't lie. I won't lie. She could easily get a finisher. She could easily get a finish. I mean, Ariana Lipsky, in so far, all of her UFC event fights since 2019, so in 2020, 2021, and 2022, she has been finished by TKO, once in round one, twice in round two, and um, Casey O'Neill does have two round two TKOs in the UFC, so maybe uh, Casey gets it done on the feet, we'll see what happens. Crazy one on the prelims here at Bantamweight as Cody No Love Garbrandt is back to take out Brian Boom Kelher. I completely forgot about this fight, I'm happy Cody Garbrandt is still getting opportunities. Cody, 13 and 5, Brian Keller, 24 and 14, 5 foot 8, 5 foot 6, 2 inches for Cody Garbrandt, and a 65 to 66 inch reach, difference by 1 in favor of Brian Keller. Switch stands for Brian, orthodox stands for Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt, been in the UFC since 2015, eighth year for him. Guy's a former bantamweight champion, main evented pay per views. I mean, just a legend of the game. You know, it's been tough going for him, though. It's been tough going. After starting his career, a perfect 11-0. He, of course, would get finished by TJ Dillashaw twice and Pedro Munoz. Before getting a huge um, KO of the Year nominee in 2020 against Rafael Sunsau, he would then drop a five-rounder to Rob Font. And, of course, in December 2021, got finished in round one by Kai Kara France in his one stint at men's flyweight. Fought earlier this year in March, we would pick up a big unanimous decision win over Trevin Jones. He would start the fight strong, but kind of end it poorly. Uh, I don't really know what to make of Cody Garbrandt. 
His uh, prime days are behind him. The days of finishing Marcus Brimage, Thomas Almeida, Taikia Muzagaki, and winning the uh, the men's bantamweight championship over Dominic Cruz are sadly in the past. I don't know what Cody Garbett's still fighting for, but uh, I do wish the best for him. The 32-year-old was born in Ohio, but now trains at Sacramento with Team Alpha Male, of course. Andre Feely trains at Team Alpha Male as well. And... Um, Cody Garbrandt actually has 10 KOs of his 13 career victories. Very impressive stuff from Mr. No Love. I wish him luck as he takes on Brian Boom Kelher. Uh, the 37-year-old is from New York and of his 24 victories, 8 KOs, 10 subs. Brad's been in the UFC since 2017. This is year six for him. He's fought a number of people. I mean, he finished Iri Alcantara with a guillotine choke in his debut. He would then get submitted by Marla Vera. He would beat Hedda Burrell, lose to John Lineker, lose to Montel Jackson, beat Ode Osborne, lose to Cody Stammen, beat Kevin Kroom. I mean, this guy has fought so many people. As of late, he is on a two-fight losing streak in 2022. He got submitted by Umar Nurmagomedov in round one and Mario Batista in round one both by rear naked chokehold. So I don't think he's really going to run into any of that against Cody Garbrandt, but I will say um, hasn't fought in a year, uh, about a year and a half actually, been a while since Brian Keller stepped in an octagon, but it's it's just tough to, it's tough to pick him. Also tough to pick Cody Garbrandt. Can I pick a draw? Can I say this fight's going to be a draw? Um, as much as I do want to pick Brian Kelher, as I believe Cody Garbrandt may not be as successful as I think he is. You know, I would I would honestly give Cody Garbrandt the win by on the feet here. But at the same time, Brian Kelher hasn't been finished since he lost to John Lineker in 2018. That was five years ago, a John Lineker um, MMA legend. Um all of his, all the times he's lost, I mean, the Davis decision losses to Cody Stammen and Ricky Simone, got out grappled in those, but then he's grappled his way to some victories against Domingo Pilarte and Kevin Kroob. Seems pretty hit or miss with Brian Kelher, but um, if this stays on the feet, I might ride with Cody Garbrandt. You know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. We're going to go Cody Garbrandt in this one. I have nothing to lose. It's a prelim fight, as we all know. All prelim fights are unofficial. All main card predictions are official. I'll be rooting for you, Cody, but be careful of Bam. Or not Bam Bam. I'm thinking of Tide. We've also Boom, Brian Boom. Kell her. So we got the Bam Bam and the Boom. What else? What else we got? The Bang. Is there a Bang? There's got to be a UFC fighter with the nickname Bang. Ranked women's bantamweights are up next to almost close up the prelims, not officially. As number nine ranked Carol Rosa takes on number five ranked Irene Aldana. Oh my goodness, here we go. We get a little top five action here. Irene Aldana, 14 and 7. Carol Rosa, 17 and 5. Four inches in height for Irene Aldana, 5 foot 9 to 5 foot 5, and one inch in reach, 68 to 67. Did I say height? I think I did. Both women fight orthodox. Irene Aldana, the 35-year-old, is from Mexico. Actually trains at Lobo Gym with Diego Lopez, surging featherweight prospect. Alexa Grasso, current women's flyweight champion. And Lupi Godinez, surging women's strawweight contender. 
eight KOs and three subs make up um, 11 of her 14 victories. That's pretty good. 11 out of 14 fights. She has finished. Now, she is coming off of a terrible, terrible loss to Amanda Nunes back in June. She got taken down six times, outstruck 196 to 57, just had nothing going for her. But don't let that stop her from her resume, all right? I mean, been in the UFC since 2016. This is year 7-4. Didn't start it out too hot. Two-fight losing streak. We followed it up with three straight wins. One big one over Beth Correa by submission. Suffering her... Uh, Third loss of the UFC to Hawkwell Pennington by split decision. Followed it up with two big wins, including a round one performance the night knockout of Ketlin Vieira back in 2019. In 2020, she would get her first main event, losing a five-rounder to Holly Holmes, where she got all grappled. But she would follow that up with two big wins over Yada Santos and Macy Chisone. The Macy Chisone one back in September 2022 actually got the first ever Body kick from the ground, TKO. It was crazy. Round three, about halfway through, Mechie Chazone stood up, and basically, Real Donna just chopped her foot and her heel, her heel, or just like the palm of her foot, or I don't even know, her ankle, whatever, hit directly on Macy Chazone's liver, and she fell down, and Irene Aldana won the fight from literally just being on her back. So pretty incredible stuff from Irene Aldana. I know she's talented on the feet. Hey, all those Mexican fighters down there at Lobo Gym, they know how to box super well. I will say the grappling could prove to be her downfall, as it has against Holly Holmes and Amanda Nunes. Carol Rosa, the 28-year-old, is from Brazil of her 17 victories, 4 by KO, 2 by sub. Coming off a big win in July over Yana Santos, was able to use her, uh, just a, I don't even know, what was it, her takedowns? I mean, she she dropped round 1 to, to Yana Santos, round 2 was able to bounce back a bit. Round three kind of did better. Oh, no, nothing too impressive. Been in the UFC since 2019. Does post a 6-2 and two record in the UFC. Only losses to Sarah McMahon and Norma Dumont. Actually lost to Norma earlier this year in 2023 in April, but did drop her in that fight. Carol Rosa seems to be well-rounded overall. Um, pretty even fight. Honestly, these women's fights go either way, 50-50. It's the only one on the card, so... I'm going to give it to Irene Aldana. You know what? I'm sorry. I just haven't seen much from Carol Rosa. I don't know too much about her. I've probably seen some of her fights. I probably actually watched that Yas Santos fight and just don't remember it well. But um, I will say I like more what I've seen from Irene Aldana and the highlights I've seen of her. With that win, the winner of this women's fight will be ranked either 5th or 6th come Tuesday. So pretty, pretty big stakes on the line. Same as this last one to close out our prelims. It was supposed to be it was supposed to be Josh Emmett and Giga Chikadze. Um, Josh Emmett currently ranked number, we'll be getting to this in a second, but Josh Emmett currently ranked number six at Men's Featherweight. It was supposed to take on number eight ranked Giga Chikadze. Giga did have to pull out after he tore his groin or something. So stepping on short notice will be Bryce Mitchell. That fight has been moved to the main card after Luke and Gary's fight was canceled. Apparently Kevin Holland and Vicente Luque are still trying to get a fight to be put together on day's notice. I doubt the UFC does that. So instead, to close out our prelims, we have number 14 ranked Alonzo Menfield and number 15 ranked Dustin Jacoby in the men's 205 light heavyweight division. And this 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 is gonna be a good one. I'm very I'm very pumped for this fight. I very am. Alonzo Atomic Menfield takes on Dustin Dahanyak Jacoby. Love the names, boys. I love the names. 
Lonzo Menfield, 14-3-1. Dustin Jacoby, 19-7-1. Three inches in height, 6'3 to 6'0 in favor of Dustin Jacoby. Both fighters have a 76-inch reach, and both fighters are orthodox. I love to see it. Dustin Jacoby, currently ranked number 15th. 35-year-old is from Colorado. It actually trades at Factory X Muay Thai with Anthony Smith, who fought um, last weekend, or two weekends ago. Oh, no, it was last weekend against Khalil Roundtree and Brandon Rival, who actually fights in the co-main event for the Flyweight Championship on this card. Dustin Jacoby does boast 12 KOs and one sub of his 19 career victories. Coming off a big one in um, August against Kenny and Chukwe, knocked him out in a minute and 22 seconds. Shocking, impressive, I love to see it. Earlier this year, he did lose a unanimous decision to Azmat Mirzakhanov, but did come on strong late. He did come on strong late in that fight. Um, Dustin Jacoby is currently in the second stint of his UFC career. Uh, debuted actually in 2011 and had another fight in 2012, losing both of those to Clifford Starks and Chris Kamal. He would come back on season four of Day West Contender Series in 2020, getting a big win over Ty Flores. After that, he would debut against Justin Ledette in October of uh, 2020, getting a two and a half minute knockout of Justin Ledette. Following that up, he would win every single fight up until 2022. Um, the only fight he didn't actually win was a draw against Ayan Kudalaba, where he got 10-8 in round one and then came back and won round two and three. Um, big wins over Darren Stewart, round one knockouts of Dawood Jung. Uh, but yes, his only two losses have been to Khalil Roundtree Jr. and Azamat Mirzakhanov since his second stint in the UFC. Dustin Jacoby is super, super talented. He is a striking legend. Love this guy. But his opponent, Alonzo Atomic Menfield, he can do it all. The 36-year-old is from Texas. Of his 14 career victories, 9 by KO, 4 by sub. Only been the distance once in his UFC career. Actually, his professional career. Um, and he's actually only been the distance three times in his whole career. So he's only ever won one decision. He's only every, so he's, yeah, basically only been the, the decision three times. He's won one of those, lost twice. Currently on a four-fight unbeaten streak, last beat Jimmy Crute in July of this year, submitted him with a guillotine choke in round number two after do going to a majority decision draw earlier this year in February. That was a crazy fight on uh, UFC 284. That was a wild one. But before that, I mean, in 2022, he had round one finishes of Askar Bozarov and a round one knockout of Misha Serkinov. Impressive, impressive stuff. Lonzo, been in the UFC since 2019, actually. Had a stint on season one and two of Dana White's Contender Series and actually holds an eight-second knockout on Dana White's Contender Series. That's got to be the record. His UFC debut, he knocked out Vincius Moraya in under four minutes. Knocked out Paul Craig after that. Awkward losses to Devin Clark and Ovin St. Prue. Vaughn flew choke over Fabio Sherrod to win the distance with Ed Herman. Lonzo Menfield's been all around. And you know what? I've been liking what I've been seeing from him, but I do worry. Now, Dustin Jacoby might be too big of a step up for Alonzo. I mean, it wasn't, but two years ago, he lost to William Knight. I don't know what to say. He's been impressive, but he's only fought Jimmy Crute this year. Dustin Jacoby, meanwhile, has fought some killers like Khalil Roundtree Jr. As about Mirzakhanov with the distance with them. It's tough to predict what'll happen, but I'm glad this fight's on the prelims. I hope it doesn't get bumped to the main card because I am not sold on who I'm going to pick. Simply going off of who's surging and who appears to be on their way out. 
I'm going to give this one to Alonzo Menafield. I won't say I'm overly confident. I won't say I'm overly confident. Sorry, Dustin Jacoby. We're going with Alonzo Menafield. So, yeah, those are our prelims. Let's just recap everything we're going to go with here. We got Shamil Gazioff over Martin Boudet by, we'll say, round one knockout. I like to be spicy. Lucas Almeida over Andre Feely, round one knockout. Cody Durden over Tagir Lebekov by unanimous decision. Casey O'Neill over Ariana Lipsky by round two TKO. Cody Garman over Brian Keller by unanimous decision. Irene Aldana over Carol Rosa by unanimous decision. And we'll say Alonzo Menafield becomes the first man to knock out Dustin Jacoby in 10 years with a round three TKO win by Alonzo Menafield. Those are our prelim predictions, but let's get into why we're all going to be buying this pay-per-view with our main card predictions, which, which are all official, which are all official. I do feel I need to make that official, that all of these fights are official towards our predictions. So to kick off the main card, we get a featherweight matchup, as we had already kind of mentioned, short notice, between number 10-ranked Bryce Mitchell and number 6-ranked Josh Emmett. I'm just glad we get to get these fights, nonetheless. I'm just glad Josh Emmett remained on this card, and we get to see fights like this one. Josh CC0 Emmett, that's a weird nickname, 18-4, and four, takes on Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell, I like that nickname, 16-2 record for Bryce Mitchell. 5'10 to 5'6, 4 inches in height for Bryce Mitchell, wow. Both fighters are 70 inches in reach and have a, oh, Josh fights orthodox, Bryce fights southpaw. I knew, I knew they were a bit different. Josh Emmett, your number six ranked men's featherweight. The 38-year-old is from Sacramento. Trains at Team Alpha Male with uh, Andre Feely and Cody Garbrandt. So good luck to Team Alpha Male. Number of fighters on the card tonight. Six KOs and two subs of his 18 career victories. Betted the UFC since 2016. Has lost all four of his fights professionally in the UFC. So, I mean... This guy clearly loves to scrap. Big wins over Ricardo Lamas by knockout. Michael Johnson knockout. Mirson Bektich knockout. Fight of the night win against Shane Burgos. Dan Ige win. Has had a fight of the night win over Calvin Cater. But is unfortunately on a two-fight losing streak. Two losses in 2023. Round two submission loss to Yair Rodriguez. And a brutal, brutal fight in the night. Unanimous decision loss to Ia Topura back in, 20, uh, back in June, I should say. Uh, he's looking to end his 2023 out, out pretty good as it started high with an interim featherweight title shot. And has since dwindled down to a, oh, what well, was a prelim, but he's now opening a main card. So not too bad for, Bryce, uh, for uh, Josh Emmett, I should say. Bryce Mitchell, on the other hand, the 29-year-old is from Arkansas. Nine subs of his 16 career victories, most notable for his camo shorts, which he uh, asked the UFC, hey, can I get camo shorts? And the UFC was like, yeah, yeah, you can wear camo shorts. Pretty, pretty cool that he gets to do that. Um, he uh, has two losses professionally. One of them was in December of 2022 to Ieto Pura. The other one was to Brad Katona on the Ultimate Fighter and is disputed as Ultimate Fighter fights don't count professionally, but this one has. It's it's some, some websites like Tapology don't count it as a loss. Some websites like the UFC Stats do count it as a loss. Very, very odd. Bryce Mitchell is an impressive 7-1 and one in the UFC. Coming off a big win over Dan Ige back in September, was able to use his grappling to beat Dan Ige. Uh, seven and a half minutes on five of 15 
takedowns. Dan did pretty good in round two in that fight, but in round three, Bryce Mitchell closed it out with three minutes of control time and didn't allow Dan to land a single significant strike. Bryce Mitchell's biggest win has probably been over Edson Barboso, which he got back in March of 2022, and he also had the second-ever twister over Matt Sales back in 2019. And his fight against Charles Rosa back at UFC 249, he had an outstanding 12 minutes and 51 seconds control time, including an insane 4 minutes and 52 seconds of control time in the final round of that fight. Just Bryce Mitchell, a grappling master as they come. Josh Emmett, he likes to strike. Sometimes he'll go for takedowns, but he's really turned into a striker. Um... I think it's a puncher's chance for Josh Emmett, but when it comes down to grappling, I'm going to give it to my boy Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell. I just think Bryce Mitchell is going to go far with his grappling. That's just how I view it. That's just how I view it, man. And you know what? Maybe he'll win. Maybe he'll lose. But when it comes down to it, when the picks book goes live and I write down my official prediction, it's going to have Bryce Mitchell next to it. But we're going to say about unanimous decision just because I think Josh Emmett's a tough, tough guy. Lightweight matchup up next. Oh, between here's a good one. Here's what I'm excited for, boys. Here's one that I've been I've been waiting for this one. Lightweight matchup between El Kakui, Tony Ferguson, and Patty the Batty Piblet. You already know. Tony is 26 and 9 professionally. Patty Piblet, 20 and 3. 5'11", 5'10", 1 inch in favor of Tony, 76 inches in reach compared to 73 inches in favor of Tony Ferguson. Both fighters fight orthodox Tony El Kukui Ferguson, the boogeyman of the division at a time. At a time, no longer, no longer the boogeyman. 39-year-old is in, uh, is from California and actually trained with David Goggins for this fight camp. Of course, David Goggins, who's going to carry the boats, who's going to carry the logs. Great motivational speaker, does insane things to his body, running marathons, just crazy long workouts, crazy reps and stuff. This guy's been on Joe Rogan podcast. He's been on so many number of podcasts. He's written a best-selling book, I mean. Tony Ferguson's going all out to try to win this last fight for his career. 11 KOs and 9 subs of his 26 victories. Um, sadly for Tony, he is on a 6-fight losing streak. 3 straight fights he's been finished. It's been ugly. It's been ugly if you're a Tony Ferguson fan, I won't lie. The days the days of the Ultimate Fighter where he won it against Ramsey Najim with a round 1 TKO have sadly come to an end. And I mean, there were days Tony Ferguson was on a 12-fight win streak. You know, he was he was submitting against Barbosa. He was beating Rafael dos Anjos. He won the interim belt against Kevin Lee. Beat Anthony Pettis. Beat Donald Cerrone. And then every single canceled fight with Khabib just took something away from him. Downfall started in May of 2020 when Justin Gaethje knocked him out in round five of their fight. In back-to-back fights, he would get brutally outgrappled by Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush before May of 2022. He would get knocked out cold with a front kick by Michael Chandler. To round out 2022, he would get submitted by just a washed-up Nate Diaz. And earlier this year in July, we get submitted with six seconds left in his fight against Bobby Green. It's been sad goings for Tony Ferguson, man. I wish him the best. But let me, let me ask, this is a winnable fight for him. This will winnable fight for him. He takes on Patty Piblet, 28-year-old from Liverpool, England. Trains at Next Generation MMA Liverpool, of course, with his best friend Molly McCann, fellow UFC fighter in the women's flyweight division. Five KOs and ten subs of his 20 victories, 15 out of 20 finishes for him. What is that? That is three-fifths? Three-fifths of his fights he finished? 
in the UFC, he has three or, five, three or four finishes. Four fights in the UFC, uh, his UFC debuted, impressive round one knockout of Luigi Vendrami, then back-to-back submissions in uh, London. Uh, one against Kazula Vargas in 2022, and another one against Sterling Levitt, that was also in 2022. Now, the controversy begins with his last fight, which actually rounded out 2022, December 10th, UFC 282, the last time he fought, when he beat Jared Gordon by a controversial unanimous decision. No, no really idea what to make of it. Jordan, Jordan, probably Jared Gordon, I should, I should say, clearly won the fight, outstruck him in round number one, but I mean, that was a close round. Round two did land a takedown, but did get outstruck. Round three landed two of three takedowns, which so uh, Jared Gordon probably definitely won round three, but uh, it was just an awkward fight. It was one of those Vince McMahon, as I say, best for business decisions. They gave it to Patty Piblet, but the UFC's high on Patty. He hasn't fought in a year, but when I mean, Tony Ferguson doesn't matter when he fights, he just keeps losing. Tony is on his way out. He put himself through Hell Week with uh, David Goggins, which is just. Sounds excruciating. It's just nonstop, rigorous training for hours. And um, Patty, you know, he's been trying to get his eating under control. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Patty Pimlet. I'm thinking that he's going places. We're going Patty over Tony by, uh, did I, what did I say? Did I say by finish? I forgot if I put by finish. Let me actually see this. Oh, verdict MMA. Let me actually see Bryce Mitchell by decision. And we got Patty Piblet. I also said by decision, but uh, do I want to go by decision? Or do I think... Actually, I'm going to go Patty Piblet by round one submission. Patty Piblet, round one submission for the boys. For the boys, Patty Piblet by round five decision. How's that sound? I, I like that. Personally, I like that. Personally, I like that pick. We'll see what happens. Patty, I am rooting for you, though. I am rooting for you. I don't know what his win streak's at, but I know it's at a good, good amount of wins. Moving into our third fight of the evening. Oh, I am just so pumped for this one. I am so pumped for this one, boys. Mm, welterweight matchup. I was about to say middleweight again. But welterweight matchup between Shavkat Rachmanov, currently ranked number five, and number six ranked wonder boy, Steven Thompson. I have just been buzzing. I've just been buzzing for this fight. I love Shavkat. Big fan of him. The Nomad. His nickname is 17-0. All 17 of those fights finishes 100% finish rate undefeated Wonderboy Thompson also has 17 wins paired with six losses and a draw one inch in height for Shavkat six foot one to six foot and two inches in reach 77 to 75 both fighters have an orthodox stance Shavkat Rachmanov I mean undefeated perfect five and oh in the UFC as well the 29 year old is from Kazakhstan Eight KOs and nine subs make up his 100% finish rate. Um, the closest fight he's ever been in was his last time out against Jeff Neal in uh, 2023 in March, his only fight of the year, where he went to the third round and submitted him with 43 seconds left. And in his career, of his 17 fights, he's only been to the third round twice Twice he's only been to the third round. Shavkat is a finishing machine. He's finished Neil Magny in round two. He's finished Carlson Harris in round one. Michael Prezera is in round two. And Alex Oliveira in round number one. All of his UFC fights don't really go very long. He's an absolute killer. I've loved every single thing I've seen from him. He can strike. He's yet to have someone uh, be as good of a striker than him in the UFC. So that's one thing I think that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson will bring out of him. But the grappling will just probably neutralize uh, Wonderboy Thompson in this fight, unfortunately.
As for Wonderboy, the 40-year-old, he's 40, hails from South Carolina, eight KOs and one sub of his 17 career victories. He's actually only ever been finished once. That was against Anthony Pettis in uh, March of 2019, got knocked out in round number two. Wonderboy's been in the UFC since 2012. I mean, he's been doing this for so, so long. I mean, he he's beaten Robert Whitaker. He's beaten Johnny Hendricks, Roy McDonald. He's had a draw against Tyrone Woodley. He's lost the majority decision to Tyrone Woodley. Beaten Jorge Masvidal. I mean, this guy's fought so many people. Beaten Vicente Luque. Beaten Jeff Neal. Um, coming off a big win over Kevin Holland. Uh, all basically in the same boat as Patty Pimblett, hasn't fought since December of 2022, uh, where he beat Kevin Holland in a fight of the night, fight of the year candidate, uh, round four, uh, st- fight was stopped before heading into the round five because Kevin Holland broke his hand. That was a great fight, showcased uh, Wonderboy striking, but I'm sorry to tell Stephen Wonderboy Thompson this. The last two fights that he has lost, Gilbert Burns in 2021 and Bilal Muhammad in 2021, he got out-grappled, and Shafkot can out-grapple both of those guys, so I am going to go with Shafkot by round two submission, maybe even round one, I just, it's it's going to be the grappling that wins this fight for Shafkot Rachmanov, I just, it's, he, he's got that skill, he's got the ability, I'm sorry Wonder Boy, this, this may be your way out. But if you can pull off the upset, outstrike him through three rounds, that'll be your key to victory. But we're going with Shavkat. Round two submission. Let's get into our title fights to round out this video and this card as we kick it off with a flyweight matchup between current flyweight champion Alexander the Cannibal Pantoa and Brandon Raw Dog Ravel. Love the nickname. Love the nickname, Brandon. 26-5 record for Alexander Pantoa, your current men's flyweight champion, and actually number 10 pound-for-pound pound fighter as he takes on the number 2 contender, Brandon Roy Val. 15-6 record for Brandon Roy Val. 4 inches in height for Brandon, 5'9 to 5 foot, and 1 inch in reach for Brandon, 68 inches to 67. Southpaw stands for Brandon, orthodox for Alexander Pantoa. We'll start with the challenger, Brandon Roy Val, currently on a three-fight win streak. Um, 31-year-old is from Colorado and actually trades a Factory X Muay Thai. Uh, who else trades a Factory X Muay Thai? Dustin Jacoby does. That's who we mentioned earlier. Uh, Anthony Smith does as well. Uh, Brandon Rival, four KOs and nine subs make up his 15 career victories, almost a 100% finish rate. Currently riding a three-fight win streak, big one over Matthias Nikalu back in April, knocked him out with a knee in two minutes. That was impressive, and before that had a little comeback fight of the night, a two-minute fight of the night against Matt Schnell, one of the craziest two minutes you'll ever see. Only two losses in the UFC, only two losses in a long time for Brandon Rival. Lost to Brandon Moreno in 2020 due to an injury to round out round one. And lost to Alexander Pintoa in August of 2021. Got submitted in round number two. So this is a rematch just about two years, two two years and like five months ago that these two last fought. Brandon Rival has fought his way back to a title shot. You'll love to see it. But Alexander Pantoa, guys, he is an absolute killer. And his last performance has just has me set that he is He's here to reign, man. 
Alexander Pantoa, 33 years old, from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, trains at American Top Team. Notable fighters that also train at American Top Team, uh, Dustin Poirier, Jorge Masvidal. Of his 26 victories, 8 KOs and 10 subs. This will be his first title defense since winning the belt against Brandon Moreno in a Fight of the Year contender. Back in July, he won a split decision against Moreno at UFC 290. That was an amazing fight. On this win streak, he's beaten Manal Cape in 2021. Of course, Brad Royval, he already beat in August of 2021. Alex Perez, he finished at a minute and a half in 2022. I mean, this guy's been on absolute terror. Been in the UFC since 2017. I mean, he's beaten Brandon Moreno three times now. He's beaten Wilson Reyes, Matt Schnell. Um, only losses in the UFC. Askar Askarov, Devis Figueredo, and Dustin Ortiz. Hasn't lost since 2020. Look. Alexander Pantoja, he's got it. He's got this killer drive. He's he got whatever he's got inside of him. He's 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 willing to bring it. All right, and his he just had one of the most impactful post-title fight uh, statements when he said, "Are you proud of me now, Dad?" His dad walked out on him as he was younger. He never knew him, and after he won the belt, said, "Are you proud of me now, Dad?" It was just so special. Already beat Brandon Royval. I don't see what he offers, but hey, if Brandon Royval wins, good for him. We're riding with the cannibal Pan Toha, though. He's got the striking. He's got the uh, he's got the ground game, and uh, he likes to start fast. So if Brandon Royval can uh, catch him early, that'll be his best bet. But if Pan Toha catches him, he's out like a light, like a light. Round two uh, submission, we'll say. Just save as he did before. We'll, we'll say save as you did before. That's how we're going to go with it. And that brings us to our main event. I can't believe I've even made it this far. My nose is killing me. My throat's killing me. But you best bet I'll be watching this main event. Saturday night as your number four pound-for-pound fighter, Leon Edwards, takes on your number three welterweight contender, Colby Chaos Covington. Let's get into it. Let's wrap up this episode, folks. Leon Edwards, 21-3 and three in one no contest. Rocky Edwards, 6'2". Colby Chaos Covington, 17-3, stands 5'11". Two inches in reach for Leon, too, 74-72. Southpaw stands for the champ. Orthodox for the contender. Leon Edwards, your welterweight champion, hasn't lost in eight years. Last loss to Kamaru Usman in 25th. Absolutely incredible. Um, the 32-year-old was born in Jamaica, but now fights out of England. Currently on an 11-fight win streak, I believe. He does have one no contest in there against Bilal Muhammad, which I believe negates the win streak. So I believe he's actually on a three-fight win streak, if I'm actually doing that right. But uh, uh, what would that be? A 12-fight unbeaten streak, I believe is how you would phrase it. Seven KOs and three subs of his 21 career victories. This will be a second title defense. Leon, of course, won the belt with uh, 56 seconds left against Kamaru Usman in uh, 2022. Comeback of the year, performance of the year, knockout of the year. Won so many awards with that and beat him over five rounds earlier this year in March in front of a London crowd. So Leon, he's bringing in the momentum. And I mean, this guy is, he's beating Nate Diaz, Rafael Dos Santos, Gunnar Nelson, Dalton Vicente Luque, Brian Barrino. He's beating so many people. Gotta love Leon Edwards. But Leon's the good guy in this. Leon's the good guy. He doesn't have too much of a personality. Doesn't say much. His opponent has a personality. Says a lot. Colby Chaos Covington, the 35-year-old, is from Florida. Two KOs and six submissions of his 17 career victories. Actually went to Oregon State University. Wrestled there. Daniel Cormier, actually, they uh, tried to recruit 
Colby Covington to wrestle at Oklahoma State, but he chose Oregon State. He actually trains at MMA Masters with notable fighters Ia Topura, who fights for the featherweight championship in February, and Thembo Garimbo, who is the fighter that The Rock gave a house to. A couple of other fighters there, too. Um, Colby... Last fought in March of 2022, had a fight of the night win over Jorge Masvidal. For that, he, had, of course, had lost to Kamaru Usman in a competitive fight at UFC 268. Some people thought he won for that, beat Tyron Woodley, another rival, and one of the greatest welterweight fights you will ever see at UFC 245 when he fought Kamaru Usman for the first time ever and was winning the fight before Kamaru Usman had a little comeback victory with 50 seconds left. Colby. Been in the UFC since 2014. He talks a lot. He knows what he's doing. Beating Max Griffin, beating Brad Barberina, Damian Maya, Rafael Dos Anjos, Robbie Lawler. I mean, hasn't been hasn't fought for a while. I will say in activity, hasn't fought like 20 months or something. But you know, I'm a Colby Covington fan. There's nothing you can do or say to him. have me not pick him to win this fight. Um, but. Yeah, he's a dog. He knows what he's doing. Colby Covington is just a straight-up menace sometimes at the press conference. He was talking about Leon's dead dad. He was saying he would see him in the seven layers of hell. I mean, Colby is just such a villain sometimes. Gets so political. Calls out everyone. He called Ian Gary's wife a whore. I mean, just he, the personality has just gone crazy. I've actually heard Colby Covington's a good dude when he's not putting on this persona. But he's putting on this persona. It's absolutely crazy. You love to see it. We're going Colby Covington, round 5 TKO. And I'm going to say Colby Covington, round 5 TKO. I think Leon will win this fight on the feet. I think Leon will win this fight on the feet. But I think Colby Covington is going to have way more pressure than Leon and uh, Kamaru Usman did in their fights. So Usman went 4 of 15 on takedowns in that fight against Leon Edwards. And Leon had some fence grabs, okay? Previous fight before that... Usman went 5 of 12. For Colby Covington against Jorge Masvidal, he went 6 of 15, 16 minutes of control time. The control time was crazy. Against Tyron Woodley, 3 of 8, 12 minutes of control time. His takedowns are more accurate than Usman, and his ground control is way more accurate of Usman. Now, Leon Edwards does have an impressive 69% takedown defense, which I will say is pretty notable. Colby Covington, 72% takedown defense. So if Leon Edwards were to mix it in, he of course did land a takedown on Kamaru uh, Usman. Um, it could it could provide some form of way to uh, just spice it up against Colby, but I think Colby, he's going to wear him out, get some ground and pound, and get into top mount, round five, lay on some elbows, lay on some punches, and the ref will stop it. Maybe even a bit prematurely to uh, give Colby Covington his first ever welterweight uh, championship. But this is his final opportunity. Colby will never get another shot at the belt after this. So it's make it or break it for Chaos Covington. This is going to be a fun one. A lot of fighters I love to watch on here. I love Colby. I love Shafkan. I love Patty Pimblett. I like Bryce Mitchell. Cody Garbrandt. I mean, Shamil Gazioff. I like a lot of fighters in here. It's been hit with some cancellations. Been hit with some controversies. But nonetheless... An event will be brought on Saturday night. Should be a fun one. I am I am pumped for it. I am absolutely pumped for it. Very, very happy. Very happy that we get a little bit of a UFC. One last Saturday for 2023. And 2023 has just been such a blessed year. We're going to round it out tremendously, especially here on the podcast. I do hope I uh, get better soon. I hope my whatever sickness is affecting me goes away, but who knows? Maybe it won't. Maybe it will. I'll be here none 
nonetheless. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was fun. Fighting through the illness. I'm sure you could hear it. I just sound stuffy. Uh, talking about UFC 296. Talking about a little bit of NFL. Some new fights. Some uh, league check-ins. Some new trailers and shows and stuff. I'm always here to talk about it. This should be uploaded Friday. for all you guys to listen to. And always make sure to reach out to me on any of the social platforms. I'm always interested to hear everyone's thoughts. Shout out to all my international listeners. Shout out to all my local listeners. I'll catch you all next time on the Surprise Jab podcast.